0: Thanks for joining us. If there's anything that you need prayer for, don't hesitate to give us a call, send us an email, or submit a request online. We'd love to stand with you in prayer. Today Pastor is starting a new series called Kingdom of God. In this series, Pastor is challenging us to look at our salvation through new eyes. Are we simply living a kingdom-consuming life, or are we a kingdom participant? Is it all about what's convenient for us, or do we really show the kingdom of God through our daily lives? Let's take a look at today's message, Rethink Your Life.
1: Now today, I want to start a little series of messages on the kingdom of God. But I want you to get a load of the title that I put on this. You can have a saved soul and a lost life. A saved soul, but a lost life. So I want us to, to look at salvation today with new eyes. I uh, want us to think a little bit of some, some thoughts that may be a little different than you've had before. And uh, I have been praying and believing that the Bible is going to come alive to you today. Now, when Mary is still in Nazareth, she's engaged to Joseph. The angel Gabriel comes to her and said, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you will call his name Jesus. He'll be great, will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now notice the angel said he's going to sit on the throne of his father David. Now, by the way, where was that throne? Anybody? Jerusalem, that is correct. And another correct answer would be it was on earth. True? Because, because here, here. Most of us think about our Christianity is that we're forgiven and we're gonna go someplace. We're gonna go to heaven. Right? But in 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 a sense, that's true, right? Because you do go there, but you don't stay there. Right? Now how many read your Bibles? Revelation chapter 20. You're going to be here on earth ruling and reigning with Jesus for a thousand years. Revelation chapter 21. God makes a new heaven and a new earth. That's a new atmosphere and a new earth. And then the city of God that is in heaven comes down to earth for ever. Now I don't care if you're Catholic if you're a Calvinist, uh, the Lutheran, but it doesn't matter. what That is what every Christian denomination believes. All of them. All right? Now, the problem is that that's what our, 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 our statements of faith say, but that's not what most of us think. Because most of us think we're going to go someplace else for all of eternity. But the truth is that place you think you're going to is coming here. In Luke 1, the angel said to Mary, you'll conceive in your womb, you'll bring forth a son, you'll call his name Jesus. Now this is important because it is the first time that the Messiah's name is revealed. Right? Now he's been, pro- he'd been prophesied all through the Old Testament. From Genesis 3, it said that there is a, there is a serpent bruiser's head coming. There's somebody who's coming who's going to bruise the serpent's head. talking about the Messiah, but it didn't give his name. Nobody knew that name until the angel came and spoke to Mary and then later Joseph, and literally it means the salvation of Jehovah. The salvation of Jehovah. So he's God's salvation. He's the second person of the Trinity. He is eternal. He wasn't created. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But when you look in the Old Testament, the number one thing it says about Jesus is that he would be a king. That is the overriding theme of all Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 2, said it like this. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. What's he going to set up? A kingdom. Which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all of these kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. Forever. Isaiah 2. And he'll judge between the nations. He'll rebuke many people. They'll beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn anymore. Why? Because the king is here. He's ruling. And one of his names is the Prince of Peace. Right? So as Christians, we mostly just see him as a Savior who suffered. And we, we, totally, we, we totally miss the fact he's a king. He's a king. The, the Jews missed him as a suffering servant to come, that would come and pay for our sins because they were just looking for the king. Now today, because Jesus' message is is always about the kingdom. In fact, he came and he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Message Bible says it a little differently. It says, rethink your life, because God's kingdom is here. That was Jesus' message. All the way through, he would talk about the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 13, he gives... Seven parables. Every one of them begins this way. And the kingdom of heaven is like. Not salvation is like a kingdom, but the kingdom of heaven is like. There's the parable of the sower, of the wheat and the tares, the leaven, the mustard seed, the, the treasure hidden in a field, the pearl of great price, the dragnet. But every one of them, Jesus starts, the kingdom of heaven is like. Not salvation is like a kingdom, but the kingdom is like. In the Lord's prayer, he taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, literally, you could put in parentheses besides that, Your kingdom come in my life and through my life. Your kingdom come in my life and through my life. All right? He didn't save you just to get you to heaven. Jesus wasn't looking for people just to get to heaven. In fact, he said, go and make disciples, not Christians. Make disciples of all nations. He wants kingdom participants, not consumers. Consumers go to church when it's convenient. Consumers are what's in it for me. Right? When Jesus arose from the dead, in Acts one, he spends 40 days with his disciples. and it says, during those 40 days speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God." Now, now, now the disciples, that they understand that this, He's going to be a king. And so they said, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that prophecy that God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 to be fulfilled. He said, I will make you a great nation. The the word great there, it actually means premier, superior, above all others. They were waiting for the Messiah to come and to rule and to reign and to lift that kingdom and to take the, the, the yoke of the oppressors of the Romans off from them. Right? He speaks about the kingdom of God. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus didn't say, no, don't, no, no, no. Salvation is just about getting forgiven and going to heaven. No, he said, it's not for you to know the time or the season that the Father has put in his own authority. He said, yeah, it's going to be. That's, it's coming. It's coming. You see, the, the, the mystery of the kingdom is that the kingdom is coming and that the kingdom is here. Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is He said, The kingdom of God is within you. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he said, Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, you can't see it. You will look at the kingdom, but you won't recognize it. You'll think it's a religion, you'll think it's a philosophy, you'll think it's a moral code for life, but It's not a religion, which is what most people make Christianity. It is not a religion. It's a kingdom. Any other answer is incomplete. Jesus is a king. Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, three, four miles out of Jerusalem, wise men came from the east, Iraq, Iran, in that area. And they came and they began to question, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? And they end up at Herod's palace. Now, this is Herod the Great. And for those of you that that, that read your Bible much, it can be kind of confusing with Herod's. Because a Herod dies, and then another Herod comes along, and he gets eaten by worms. And then 20 years later, Paul's preaching to Herod. Now, Herod is a family name. It's like Smith. All right. So you've got Herod the Great, and then you've got three of his sons that are mentioned, and his grandson that's mentioned, and his granddaughter that are mentioned. So so, so there's there's a lot of Herod's running around. All right. But Herod was placed as king of the Jews by the Romans. He was not Jewish, he was a descendant of Esau. He was an Edomite, and his grandfather had converted to Judaism. And this guy, uh, if you go to Israel today, uh, his stamp is everywhere. Herod the Great. He's the one that built the temple. took 38 years where Jesus preached. The most sacred place in Judaism today is the Wailing Wall, which Herod built. It was part of the foundation wall for that temple. Part of the, I guess we'd call it the foundation wall. Uh, he, He built Masada. Because he was so afraid that the people were going to rebel. It sits on top of a mountain uh, down by the Dead Sea. And it was his place where he was going to run if he ever had trouble. All right. uh, just a, a, like I said, his, his, his picture, his touch, it's everywhere. In fact, I got to tell you one, the biggest mistake that we made in Israel. Um, I, I'm reading my Bible and Abraham's wife Sarah dies. And it says that he buys the field from the Hittites, you know, with the cave and with all the trees. And it's in Hebron. And and I'm like, I want to see that. Got to go there. So I said to the tour company, we want to go. Abraham's tomb. And they said, well, not no, it's in the Palestinian territory. I said, we want to go. They said, only in a bulletproof bus. So they get us a bulletproof bus. It was probably a good idea. It, it, It snowed. All right. And so we're on our way there, and the Palestinians are taking rocks, putting them in snowballs, and they are pounding our bus. All right? But finally we get there, and I'm expecting, was this the, trees, field, cave? Herod ruined everything. He built this enormous structure over the top. 2,000 years ago he messed things up for us. But you go to Israel, he, he has pictures everywhere. Now, this guy was so power-hungry that he murdered three of his own sons who he thought might be conspiring against him as well as his wife for the same, for the same reason. Uh, he was connected with Cleopatra and Mark Anthony right, in the rebellion trying to literally get Mark Anthony to become the next Caesar. They were defeated by Octavian, uh, and and when they were, of course, uh, Cleopatra commits suicide, and they're going to come after Herod, and he knows it. So he finds out where Octavian is. He's now become the new Caesar, and he shows up at his door, at his getaway summer estate, and knocks on the door, and they're like, Herod's at the door. And he's like, he's planning on having Herod executed. And Herod comes in and says, you know that I was with Mark Anthony and Cleopatra. He supplied thousands of troops to them from Judea to fight against Octavian. And Octavian's planning on literally cutting his head off. And he says, you know I was with them and I helped them and I was faithful to them until the end. And this is what you need to know about me. When I pledge my allegiance to somebody, I will be faithful and I will serve them to the bitter end. And I pledge my loyalty to you from this time forward, from today on. Octavian was so impressed. He not only sent him back as king of the Jews, but gave him additional territory. So when the, when the, the, the wise men come, this is the guy they come to. They come to Herod. Now, he's going to be dead in just a few years. He's old. But they're looking for the king of the Jews. And so he said to those wise men, He said, When you find him, come back and let me know so I can go and worship him. Well, his real intent is I'm going to go and kill him. Well, they find Jesus. And the Bible says they're warned in a dream not to return and tell Herod. And so they return a different way. And when Herod finds out, He sends his soldiers to Bethlehem and has every child in Bethlehem and the region under two years of age murdered. But God had given Joseph a dream and said, Herod's going to try to kill the child. Arise and go to Egypt. And the Bible says that night, right when he had the dream, he just got up, took baby Jesus and Mary, and went to Egypt. Change your life. Jesus said, because God's kingdom is here. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined planned before us. Planned beforehand for us, taking paths He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now listen, the Bible says, that God has prepared good works for you to do. He has planned good works. He's prepared paths ahead of time for you to do good works. You, You and I are not supposed to be consumers in the kingdom. We're supposed to be participants of the kingdom. Wherever we go, we're supposed to bring the kingdom. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to those who are in the house. So let your light shine before men, that they see your good works, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How many of you know nobody is impressed with the win-loss record of a referee? You know, so long. What, what, what is he really? He, he's... He's an observant person, but he's not a participant. John Wesley said, do all the good that you can by all the means that you can and all the ways that you can and all the places that you can and all the times that you can to all the people you can for as long as you ever can. See, we're not supposed to just be participants, consumers. We are supposed to have that kingdom on the inside, and it's supposed to be manifested. In Romans 12, 16, have the same concern for everyone. Don't be proud, but accept humble duties. Don't think of yourself as wise. You know, we're supposed to be doing something in the kingdom of God. God has prepared good works beforehand for us to do. You know, I want to encourage you, uh, find a place to serve. Call the, the homeless shelter, Mel Trotter. See if you can serve. Notice it says to accept humble duties like working in the nursery. I mean, changing diapers might be humble enough. All right? Serve the hungry. Work in a parking lot. Minister to children. Do something. You know, our devotion to God is demonstrated and authenticated by our devotion to those in need. Our Christianity should never just be sermons and songs and beliefs and creeds and prayers. It needs to be action. It needs to be doing something. Jesus said, I did not come to be served but to serve. And the Bible says, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. You see, you can have a saved soul but a lost life. If you're living just for yourself, you're just a consumer and it's all about me, if you're not serving, if you're not doing the good works that he has prepared beforehand for you, taking the path he prepared ahead of time, you may have a saved soul, but you have a lost life. Because life is not supposed to be about you, it's supposed to be about the kingdom and serving the king. It's not enough to get to heaven. We want to get to heaven having done something with our lives that glorifies God and not just about ourselves. Let me close with this story. In 313, Constantine said he had a vision and uh, he is about to fight a battle which will determine whether or not he will become the next Roman Empire emperor. And in this dream... He said God spoke to him and and he said he became a Christian. Now, what we know for sure is that his mother, Helena, was a true believer way before this. Well, then when he won, he made all religions legal. Christianity became legal in the Roman Empire and it ended persecution. And several years later, Christianity actually becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire. Right? And the Roman Catholic Church is what is left of the official religion of the Roman Empire. That's what it is. Right? Well, a few years later, in fact, in, in uh, 361, Julian becomes emperor. And he's actually referred to as Julian the Apostate. Because he tries to bring the Roman Empire back into paganism. He's building temples to Zeus and Epaphrodites, and he's trying to get rid of Christianity and bring back paganism. Now, now he wrote some letters, and I didn't want to just give you a little bit of a couple of these letters. He said, he's talking about why they aren't making any progress. He said, we're trying to bring heathenism back, but it's just not taking. He says, the impious Galileans, now that's his word for Christians, all right? He said, they take care... Of their own poor and ours. He said they're constantly doing all these good things, right? And it makes it really hard to promote paganism when these impious Galileans are out here taking care of everybody who's poor and everybody who's in need. You know, during the the, the days of the Roman Empire, if you had a child, you didn't want that child for whatever reason, baby, you could just take that child out to the edge of the forest. Edge of a river and just leave that child. Now you didn't murder that child because they said you left it to its destiny. Right? You just left it to its destiny. You know who picked up all those children they could find? It was the Christians that picked them up. You know who started all the first orphanages? Christians. Right. Why? Because they wanted to do what Jesus would do. See. So then he, he he continues. He says it's shameful. What he's talking about is in, in cities in the ancient world, plagues would hit the city. Right? And anybody who had the means to get out of the city, they didn't know how sicknesses were being transferred, but they knew that they were being transferred. So if you were in that city and a plague hit the city and you had the means to get out, you got out. Right? And he's talking about, he said, It's shameful that ours, our people, should be so destitute of assistance. He said, when everybody leaves, the Christians, they come in and they take care of not just their sick people, they take care of everybody's sick people. They don't care who you are. He says, and it's really hard to promote paganism when these Christians keep doing all this good stuff. Now now listen, those Christians stood for everything you stood for today. But you know what? They were not known for what they stood against. They were known for their good deeds. They were known for laying down their lives. Jesus said, let your good works be seen before men that they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. In the apostate Julian, his letter, he meant it to be a kick into the Christian's face to say bad things about them. But the truth is what he was doing is he was saying, look at those people. They're like Jesus and they are glorifying their father who is in heaven. A selfish life does not do that. A selfish life. But when we have the attitude that Jesus had, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay down my life. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have the same attitude, the same heart that Jesus had. If you're not where you should be with God, you're away from the Lord. You used to live for him, but you're not living for him now. Or if you're that person who says, I just don't know where I stand with God. You know, the Bible says to know that you have everlasting life. And if you don't know that you're forgiven and right with God, you're not where you should be with God. And I want to ask you, if you're not where you should be, you know you're not right. Would you bow your head and pray this prayer? If you say, I want to get right with God, make these words your own. Just say, oh, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven my past is gone, that I'm your child today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that from your heart, God heard that prayer and you're right with God. And you've just taken your first step into the kingdom of God. Now, I wrote a book I want to send you free of charge and it is full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually. You can download it for free or if you'll contact us, we'll send you a copy free of charge. Thank you for being with us. God bless you.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We're so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message, Rethink Your Life, in the WBF store. You can also download the scriptures for this message under the On Demand page. We're excited to let you know about an awesome opportunity to help Walking by Faith reach millions of viewers around the world. Right now, any gift you give will be matched up to a total of $345,000 due to the generosity of some of our partners. If God is using this ministry to strengthen your faith, please consider making a donation today and help us make use of these matching funds while they're available. If God is using Walking by Faith to change your life, we'd love to hear about it. You can connect with us on Facebook or send an email to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. Next week, Pastor Dwayne will continue this series with Heaven Flood the Earth. We'll see you then.